Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. What is going on, everybody? Episode 181. Welcome into Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And joined by my compadre, my partner in crime, whatever you want to call him. At this, I try to come up with something new every so often because we don't, we just don't podcast as often as we used to, right? So I try to be unique every time, George. Welcome in. Uh, you can follow George on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. This is Bases Loaded of the Gaining the Edge GTE Fantasy, uh, whatever. What that's right. Want? That's right. Yeah, GTE <laughs> now, Gaining the Edge. Uh, we are GTE. Man, it's it's been a while. It's been a while, but uh, you know, after a nice little break here, we're back back in it, back drafting. I mean, is yeah. there is there no better time of the year? I mean, right? I mean, draft, draft season is it? It's not draft season. We made it draft season. It's our yeah, yeah. It's tis, draft season for some for I degenerates like, like us. I like calling it. <laughs> I like saying "tis the season" because instead of the holidays, it's "tis the season" to, to be drafting, and that's what we're doing. And we're gonna just talk, discuss why we draft early because it's not for everybody. I'm very aware. We're both very aware. This is not something every for everyone. People don't like drafting this early. There's a lot of risk. There's also reward. But for, uh, for us as analysts, drafting early benefits us on that side of things as much as it does just, you know, the playing, the fact that we like to enjoy, we enjoy drafting early and playing and it's a content thing too. But I think we should discuss the benefits of the pros and cons of drafting early. Uh, some of the players we do like uh, early on players that we've missed out on that we want to probably get in on in the early rounds because we can't give away all of our secrets because people listening right now are playing, probably facing us in these drafts. So I don't want to give them all of our players. True. So I want to discuss some of the players that I've been targeting in the early rounds, guys that I'm really in on. And I feel like you, you obviously have names as well and um, why we feel it's important to be drafting early. So 
Before we get started, though, don't forget to check us out. Speaking of gaining the edge, you can gain the edge with us all offseason long with our GTE Patreon. Look at that. That's that's pro podcast. Real right pro there. right there. Yeah, yeah. I can't. <laughs> I, I had to ruin it by calling it out because it's so corny. I can't do it. But uh, our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash GTE, the letters GTE fantasy. Come check us out. Uh, we have a, we have a Discord. We're getting our content going. We just we just in our group set up our um, we're going to do our group rankings, our consensus rankings. We're getting those going. Simeon already has his SP ranks up. I know you have your RP ranks working. Me and Bubba both have catcher ranks done. So we're spread apart, but we're slowly coming together. We're going to knock out a few positions here weekly. Plus, we have some uh, roundtable discussions we're getting started on positionals and all that so we're here to help you guys out through the whole offseason plus not to mention for those drafting early i do have a list of names that i'm like targets and like high end some guys at the very end of drafts going outside outside the top like 680 p for reference of how deep i'm reaching here to give you just an idea of guys you can get in the final 10 rounds of these draft champions which are draft and hold formats and i'm going to be giving out all this information and more among again among the other four of us with bubba simeon george and whatnot so we have a lot going on this offseason but yeah, GTE Fantasy Patreon. Check it out. So drafting early, what is your what do you think is the let's start with the good? Let's be positive. Let's start the let's start the month off positive. It's December 1st. What good comes from drafting early? Yeah, well, I mean, drafting early is really just like the first really good opportunity to like really dive into the player pool, right? And so um a lot of times you'll you just you're in like the 15th, 16th, 17th plus round. And you're coming across names that maybe you would have never considered or, or didn't think it, you know, maybe they had some underlying, some positive underlying numbers. Maybe they had like a sneaky good season, uh, but just running into these, these players that uh, maybe you, you wouldn't have considered or, or didn't really think about and, and finding little nuggets here and there. I mean, so I, I think it's just a really good way to, to start, you know, diving into the player pool and, and, and start, um, you know, uh, getting all your information on, on these players and, and identifying these these guys that you want to target late that, you know, could be potential potential values and stuff, potential breakouts. So, yeah, I mean, and then there's also a lot of uncertainty right now. So guys like uh, Jose Abreu, who just signed with the Astros, I mean, he's he was going at, I think, ADP like around 125. And so, you know, if you're drafting early and taking advantage of that, I mean, you, you've got a pretty good steal there because he's you probably need to take him up at least about 40 picks earlier now, you know, in that sixth round range in 15 teamers to um, to get any uh, Jose Abreu now with the Astros. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of pros. I mean, there's also, you know, there's there's some risk, too. I mean, um, there's going to be some player movement. Uh, there's going to be, you know, some closers that we're drafting that we think are closers that won't be closers. You know, Kenley Jansen, I think, you know, he's probably going to take someone's job again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, so uh, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons, but I think for me, just the biggest benefit is just really getting to know the the player pool and just diving into all this information that we have. My favorite part is that ADP people like us are creating it. It was actually in place before we started drafting because there are degenerates drafting, but you have to remember ADP is literally us players creating it. So it is a tool, not a rule. I want to stress that because people it's really, I just get your guy G Y G get your guy. Don't let the ADP mm-hmm. dictate your moves because a player going th- at pick 300 might be worth pick 200. It doesn't mean you have to reach format pick 200, but if you're on 250 and you're afraid you won't make it to you, you you're probably not alone. So, you you know, don't be afraid to jump 50 picks because you're reaching. And I'm saying that with quotes as if you can see me through the microphone but or through the podcast. But, yeah, it's frustrating. I'm trying to look up uh, 
Uh, let's look at the last two weeks. I'm looking at the last two weeks of ADP to reference your uh, Jose Abreu. It looks like there's been 18. Oh, I got a, format matters this early in the year, but the last yeah, two weeks and, uh, he hasn't gone up. Let's see last week. The move happened about a week ago, right? It's been not even a week. I don't, I don't think it's been a weekend. So a lot of drafts probably haven't finished yeah. um, unless there's like a lot of these gladiator drafts. I, I What do you think about these gladiator drafts? By the way? Have you done any? No, but they sound like a lot of fun. And I think what they do is they put an emphasis on health and reliability of a player so it's gonna be a completely different build and that's actually gonna mess up the adp data in these early in these early drafts because i think if you look at gladiators compared to say draft champions you're gonna see certain players move up and down based on how you have to build a team people might be more aggressive closers are already really aggressive in both formats you have to be so yeah 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 there's only been one draft last week one draft that's completed i know mine was one of them that just completed today the and draft Abreu, champions abreu went 128 in that draft in draft champions so right. yeah we don't have the adp data to back it up i do know the one draft i'm in now abreu went i think just inside the top 100 or around like 90th or maybe 80th overall i have to double check it but it's gonna climb and it should he just abreu just entered one of the best lineups in baseball likely right in the middle of it at that surrounded by the best cast of uh, players he's ever played with in a very favorable at least the pool side is favorable for in with the Crawford boxes so obviously yeah yeah really good move now I think the discussion should be because you saw Vinny Pas- Pascatino going around pick 90 would yeah. you take Jose Abreu above him now yeah I actually I just wrapped up my third gladiator and, and like you said those are those are really fun to knock out like just really good idea. Excellent price point, like 50 bucks, uh, 15 teams. You just draft your, your 23 starters and it's, it's essentially best ball from there. Um, and it's a great way to like, you know, really diversify and, and take a look at every player because uh, if you're knocking a lot of these drafts out, that's exactly what you want to do is just uh, spread yourself out and, and diversify in these. And I actually took, um, actually took a Brayu around 85, just ahead of, of Vinny. Um, and yeah, I, I think just, you know, given the lineup context, uh, I mean, there's so much to love about about Vinny P. I mean, he's he's going to be one of the breakouts this year. I, I, I think he's going to be excellent. Um, but I mean, uh, with, with a Brave, I mean, just given the lineup context, I mean, the guy can lead probably lead the league in RBI. I mean, you, you take a look at his stats. I mean, despite what is he like 30 gonna be 36 yeah gonna be entering his age 36 season there's really not much here that you could point to that say like you know there's a decline coming i mean the, the strikeout rate was excellent 16 percent uh, hit 304 but really the only thing is he just had some bad luck with home runs he actually had more barreled balls at uh 47 than um than he did in 2021 he had 44 barreled balls in 2021 uh, 47 last year, but he had half the homers. So I, I definitely think that uh, he's going to bounce back. And and uh, like, if I'm in that range, that like that sixth, seventh round range, and, and I'm choosing between Vinny P and, and Abreu, like I I might go, like I might take Abreu in two drafts and take Vinny like in the, in a third. Um, but uh, I think that's the perfect range right there for those two guys. And and I think just given the lineup context, I, I I'll give the lean to to uh, Abreu. Yeah, so I think, and that's Jose Abreu you spoke about right there. And yes, Jose Abreu is definitely a guy that I'm giving him the edge here in this discussion. But going back to Vinny P, because it's just easier to say Vinny P than butchering the last name. I know I'll do a couple times, but um, <laughs> I want to discuss just real quick because I, I just happened to look last night and tweeted about it. So I have the I have the stuff in front of me. Vinny P, the reason why you should buy in, at least why I'm buying in. He flashed the power, you know, 87th percentile max exit velocity. But then he pairs, and that's just one of the metrics to go. And he actually had a good hard hit rate as well. But uh, 
he also flashed elite contact skills. We're talking 92% Z contact. That's up there with some of the best hitters in baseball, but he does mm-hmm. that while having power potential, which that combination you don't see a lot. So right there is already kind of a unicorn skill set in terms of being, he could be that guy that I don't want to say he has that ceiling of a Pete Alonzo. I know the power can get there. I just don't know if I trust it in that ballpark type of thing. So I'm, I'm afraid to put that type of level of power comp there, but I think that 30 home runs is realistic, but 30 home runs and hitting 300. That's like the, that's probably a 90th percentile outcome, but I think that that's within the realm of uh, realistic, realistic outcomes though. So that's why I don't want to, I can't put those numbers because obviously that would make him a third round pick. But I think because he has that ceiling that this discussion should happen for Vinny P. So anyway, pairing that power potential with that elite contact ability, Vinny P already grabbed my attention. Obviously he obviously, he does that while having like a better than league average chase rate and swinging strike rate. So you have the contact, the plus contact, the plus power, the plus eye at the plate, which led to you know plate discipline as a whole. And this is stuff that he did in the minor leagues that led into the majors, and it just it'll help him age well and help him transition well. So then the bad, if you want to look at if there's anything bad, and the reason why I say the bad is because you you have to figure there's not everything he's not perfect basically, and you have to at least think about these things a little bit. He it's a limited MLB sample, so all these things I just mentioned were based on like what three hundred a little over three hundred plate appearances total. I think pitchers will have time to adjust to now. Not that Vinny won't be able to adjust to that pitching adjustment, but pitchers should be adjusting for him. He's going to be one of the best hitters on a, a mediocre offense. I think the offense is might be being, being overlooked. It's really solid, young, and up, up and coming. You know, you have Sal Perez, MJ Melendez, uh, Witt. You know, it's it's not a bad offense. It just lacks depth, and they could address that. We'll see what they do here in the offseason to get some veteran help around them. Or maybe some of these other guys, you know, the – Kyle Spells of the world and you know what Olivares. They have all these guys that kind of show flashes in chunks here and there. I digress as always. Um, so limited MLB sample, which again, I'm just giving you reasons to think. I, when I say the bad game, I'm giving you reasons to possibly second guess some of this stuff. Uh, pitchers will adjust, and then the bad ballpark. Those are the only real three things. And the fact that I'm again, I'm just finding reasons to question it, and not even question it, just giving you the, like the counter arguments. Am I personally? Concerned about those three things? Not a lot. They are something to keep in the back of your mind, but not something I would be overly concerned about with Vinny. So Vinny P, yeah. I think the I'm with you. I do like him to break out this year, and I'm going around where he's going. I think the price is just right because there's you're getting him kind of where he, his floor should be, but you know there's a ceiling there that he can outproduce that price range. So I do think he'll be a riser as we get closer because I don't think people realize that first base kind of falls off. It's decent, but it's not that great. I'm finding myself getting Reese Hoskins a lot because I find him, him and Rizzo being the end of this kind of tier where the batting average, I don't know how the Rizzo's interesting because the shift could work in his favor, even though the shift hasn't been a limiting factor the last few years from what I've seen. But you just never know how the shift could, you know, fit, figure into helping him because he's another guy with that elite plate discipline, Rizzo is. So elite plate discipline, able, and he pulls the ball, but and he's staying in New York. So that's another positive, good lineup spot. Uh, so Rizzo and then Reese is just Reese, you know, 30 home runs, going to bat close to 250, 240. You kind of know what you're getting, but 30 home runs in today's game is not that common. So I feel like those two guys kind of end up this kind of upper tiers of first baseman. And those are guys I find myself targeting a lot because I don't like to attack first base because the other guys are going way earlier. And I keep missing on Vinny P and it's pissing me off. So I'm kind of giving you these things of guys I target, guys I want to get in future drafts. And Vinny P is yeah. a guy. I, Vinny P is a guy I've whiffed on. Him and Abreu are guys I've whiffed on to this point that I want to get. So I will make sure I get them in drafts in the future. 
but it's just frustrating because I've missed them to this point. And just it's because of how I've been building my teams out where I'm prioritizing outfield and third base sooner. And that's and then obviously I gotta address closers and starting pitchers and, and 15 teamers. Next thing you know, if you're if you're addressing all these other things you prioritize first, you're missing out on these upper elite talent types at other positions or potential for elite talent at other positions. So real quick before we move on to um other things I want to address with drafting early. I do want to discuss, like, I agree with you with it forces you to look into players earlier than you might. Like most, most people right now are kind of enjoying the offseason, the downtime. But right now, my our prep is in full force, and that's only going to make us better and help us give you more information, you the listener. Um, I think prep and familiarization coming from drafting early, not only is it making you force you forcing you to look into players more, but looking into team context more, projecting playing time more. You look at teams and We'll get into that more, but like 40 man, I think 40 man rosters are huge. And that's where I'm getting a lot of these guys at the, at the end of drafts. I'm looking at 40 man rosters of players on bad teams, And what I'm trying to do is I'm thinking, well, this team's probably going to end up being traded. This team's, this team's going to be a seller. This team's going to be a buyer. And if these teams are sellers, these guys on the 40 men that have upside that played most of their year in the upper minors, maybe got a cup of coffee. These are guys that have path to playing time via injury, via early call up or via trade. And those are guys that I'm, and this is why I'm looking at teams 40 man so closely. And I think by getting my eyes on 40 man rosters here again in November, entering December, it gives me this edge in these deeper formats. As in, I know what guys I want to target hitters, pitchers, whatever. There's these guys that just, it makes sense to give them a chance at late because they have a chance to be difference making at parts of the season. Whereas if I drafted correctly, I won't need them right away. So there's a little bit of, um, you got to kind of try to project forward here. And I think yeah. that monitoring 40 man moves and, you know, players that were held back from the rule five draft and players that are about to be selected in the rule five draft. These are guys that are going to be, you know, again, it goes back to kind of volatility. We saw stone Garrett get signed by the nationals. He, he was a guy that I wasn't targeting at all, but I just made sure I got him in the 45th round of our draft because he was mm-hmm. still there. My pick was three picks away. And I'm like, now he has, I didn't think he was going to get picked up by a team that had a path to playing time. Now suddenly he has a clear path to playing time and we know the tools are there for Stone Garrett. So that's the type of stuff I'm factoring early in the deep rounds here. Um, and then obviously the the downside of drafting early, you're going to miss on some, you mentioned it, news is going to break, trades are going to happen, signings are going to happen, uh, values are going to go up or down. If you were lucky enough to hit on them because you projected it forward, you hit big, but you can miss on a lot of them. And now you have to draft to make up for lost time. Like, oh man, now I got to make sure I get this guy. But now so is everybody else. Um, and injuries, obviously the big one, injury risk, way up. Um, drafting now, you you know, like there's going to be a Chris Sale this year. There's going to be a um, insert play, Mike Trout, insert player here that gets hurt and misses a good part of the year. You just hope you have to hope that it's not your guy because, <laughs> uh, yeah, and one of my guys, man, one of my guys I'm targeting a ton, Eloy Jimenez, and I'll talk about him a little bit, but uh, I've yeah. gotten him in a couple of drafts too, yeah. <laughs> I, Eloy, so this is the Eloy, look, I've been fading him for years and I finally got Eloy. Um, but I've been talking enough, let's transition over to closers. You're the closer guy. How are you attacking closers in early drafts? Again, format is different. We're, if we're talking about redraft in terms of like what waiver wire daily daily ads uh fab i think you and i will agree in terms of drafting closers different but we're talking specifically draft champions leagues and these early leagues where that there's no roster moves and all that so let's just let's discuss what we are drafting and how you're attacking closers in these formats yeah so um like like you said it is kind of format dependent and, and some of it goes back to um you know like you mentioned first base really falling off and i feel like I feel like it's the same could be said for just about every position. And I don't think it's so much that there are less like 
fewer like quality players to be found in the later rounds, but it's the playing time that is harder to find in the later rounds. And so, um, you know, in the one DC I, I, I've drafted, um, I did get an early closer. So I, I still want that early solid, you know, you put, you could project 30 saves with good ratios and strikeouts. Um, I still want one of those guys. Um, I, I don't know if I'm paying up for like Diaz and, and class A in, in, in like DCs. Um, but I, I do want, you know, at least like a Jordan Romano. Um, I'll even take a Kelly Jansen. He, he's pretty much guaranteed to close no matter where he signs. Um, so, uh, you know, Camilo Duvall, we did hear some rumors about the Giants potentially, potentially being interested in Kelly Jansen, but I, to be honest, it just I, I don't really see that happening. Um, so I do still want that one anchor um, as a closer, and then I'll, I'll take some gambles later because it, I'm, I'm finding it really hard to pull the trigger on two early closers, at least in these DCs, because like I said, like the later you get, it's harder to find playing time um, as far as the, the skill, the position players go. And so um, as far, yeah, I'm taking one early closer and then I'm taking gambles on someone like David Roberts, uh, Robertson, who, you know, closed for the Cubs, uh, closed for the Phillies. So, you know, you know, it's likely that uh, wherever he signs, he's going to have a decent chance at, at picking up saves. Uh, maybe uh, Jorge Lopez, uh, who he really struggled down the stretch with the Twins, but just their pattern, you know, over the last several years is, uh, you know, really having their best pitcher just just being their high leverage, you know, fireman guy in the, in the seventh, eighth inning. I, I think maybe Joan Duran could, you know, r- remain in that role for you know, maybe 75% of the season and, and maybe he gets a dozen saves, but, um, you know, Jorge Lopez could, could end up being that guy that, you know, maybe he gets 20 for the twins. So yeah, I'm taking gambles here and there, um, later, but, uh, pretty much, yeah, just trying to get locked down that one early closer. Now in the gladiators, I am taking two early, two early, um, closers. Cause you do want to secure those, those saves in the gladiators. Cause you're not, you can't, you're only drafting 23 rounds, and so if I can lock up 60 saves um, early on and then, um, you know, I, we're like in this last gladiator I did, I, I did take like Jansen and Iglesias. And if the Braves re-sign Jansen, I mean, then that's going to blow up on me. But I think there's a good chance that he signs elsewhere. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, later on in, in the draft, I was, you know, loading up on starting pitching. And then I was uh, getting guys who I think have a pretty good chance at, at just getting playing time. Um, instead of, you know, maybe trying to chase eight to 10 saves, I'm, you know, getting guys like Heimer Candelario, who's going to get a good chance at, you know, just getting full playing time there at third base with the Nationals or uh, Mike Yastrzemski really late. So, uh, yeah, and those gladiators, I, I'm definitely locking down two early ones. It's funny because uh, I'm such a wimp when it comes to closers. I'm so, I play <laughs> so scared. I text you guys, I text our group chat about it all the time. Like, I am afraid to not have two closers, like two players I trust as closers. So I am paying up for closers, but I trust my, this goes back to, you could tell what our niches are. This goes back to me trusting my, my forward thinking with playing time. I, I, I like to gamble on guys like Max Kepler late, Nolan Jones. Um, These are guys that are dead. And these are guys are on your bench that if the playing time is there, which it should be for Kepler specifically, the shift should, the, be, the benefit of, he should benefit from the shift being taken away. Cause that playing that plate discipline still elite. Uh, he should be healthy. Uh, he's a guy that's like one of those sleepers types that I'm getting every draft as a reserve pick. Uh, Yohan Mankata, I have him on a draft or two just because he's falling um, and he's my reserve third baseman. He's not even my corner. So it's like 
I'm just, again, I'm targeting playing time and guys that are going to be at least strong side platoon guys. I don't mind taking a bunch of those guys later just to secure saves. But David Robertson is funny you mentioned because um, I think I, I got him in our league and I'm pretty sure I have him in 100% of my league so far. I, so two for two. And he's top of my queue in my in the in the NFBC 50, which is a 12 team version of a draft and hold as and he's gonna be my first bench reliever if I get him. And so so he that there there's already like I'm already see what I, I feel like what I haven't done enough is prioritize speed. I feel like I am. But then at the end of the day, I feel like speed's going to go up this year with new rules. So I don't, I'm not overemphasizing it. And I'm actually more worried about power. And mm-hmm. honestly, with platoons becoming the thing that they are. Give me playing time, and I feel like the rest will fall into place. Like I'm drafting skill sets. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like I'm I'm realizing that almost every team has a platoon batter too between the corner infield and the middle infield or the utility. And these days, like I was I was talking, I think I told you guys how much like I love Jock Peterson. Yeah, he's in a platoon, so you have to pay extra close attention to schedules. But look how good he was even in a part time role, and while missing time and injury at that. So you mm-hmm. have to just be mindful that platoons aren't what they used to be in terms of being a death sentence for a player. If anything, you have to learn to kind of be okay with them because of just how, especially in deeper leagues, because of how frequent we see platoons. But back to closers, yeah, I'm just I'm just attacking them early. I'm taking <laughs> one in the top three rounds every draft so far. No regrets because I really I it's frustrating. Like, I want to try not doing that, but I know I'll regret it because I know I don't have confidence in my like I'm getting a lot of Joe Jimenez and after pick 500 just on the off chance. Um, but yeah, that's about it. And, uh, starters and hitters real quick. I just want to touch on these real briefly, mostly starters. How is the shift affecting your thought process with starters? Me personally, I'm just attacking aces. I'm attacking guys with high K potential because depending on the ground ball types, unless they have elite defenses, like the Cardinals usually do. So like a Jordan Montgomery, I would have no problem going after him, but like, I'm more, uh, give me the guys with the strikeout potential because I don't trust ground ball pitchers now that the shift won't the shift what you would think was helping them won't be as helpful now yeah i mean i'm not reading too much into it um as far as like maybe the guys in like the top 10 rounds or so i I think if they're good pitchers they're good pitchers they're going to continue to be good pitchers um like i'm not going to knock like a sandia contra down you know too low because of the shift ban um but yeah if i'm maybe like in my sp4 sp5 range um i'm probably looking a little bit more for strikeouts instead of you know just volume ratios like um is this the year that uh the surface stats finally match the peripherals with someone like marcus stroman because of the change in in the defense um so maybe i'm targeting like reed detmers uh ronzi Contreras, brian bayo um so yeah it's, it's not changing my thinking too much like at, at the top but um yeah, maybe like in the mid mid to lower tier uh, starting pitchers, I'm definitely probably looking for more like strikeout upside. Yeah, that's pretty much the differences there. And then same thing with closers. Like I'm avoiding closers. Like that could be really bad. And like, like you know, I'm trying to think of a name. Somebody that gets picked up from like the Rockies to close, but isn't really a good closer. I'm afraid that it's good. they're going to be just that much worse. You know what I mean? Like one of those subpar guys, like those relief pitchers that you're grabbing them just because they're in the situation, like a Mark Melanson type. Um, if someone like that got a spot this year, I'm kind of avoiding that type altogether. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, is there anybody? I gave a couple names in terms of like Vinny P and Abreu in the early rounds. I I feel the need to make sure I get a couple shares of that I haven't yet. Is there anybody like that that stands out to you? Uh, you know, not necessarily. I I, I think what I found that I I didn't do enough last year was diversify. 
I, I found, you know, a lot, I had a lot of the same guys. And so um, I had a lot of jazz. I had a lot of jazz Chisholm, a lot of Jonathan India, um, a lot of guys that, you know, kind of burned me in the early rounds. So I'm, I'm trying to diversify a little bit. And, and then I have some targets later, like I've, like around round maybe like round nine ten I'm re I'm really liking William Contreras um, at catcher I've pretty much drafted him as as uh one of my top two catchers in almost every every draft I've done so far um, I, I think he's excellent uh, he could be like uh he can pretty much be like not all that different from like a Will Smith <laughs> I mean he was going like a hundred picks um, earlier I, I, I mean. I think he has similar power potential, if not more. It's the swing and miss you have to be concerned about. That's about it with him. Um, yeah, and I mean, the, they the, clearly the want to get power is legit yeah. though, man. The power is like the, the metrics are off the chart, especially for a catcher. Maybe an MJ Melendez is a little more uh, better comp, just because I mean Melendez is going a little yeah. um, closer to his range too. But maybe around pick a hundred, but William Contreras going like 40, 50 picks later can pretty much just be the same guy if not better better lineup and and you know the similar to like melendez i mean the, the braves they they played Contreras at dh they played him in left field i mean they they clearly want to keep his bat in, in the lineup so i mean just the, the fact that travis darno still there doesn't really concern me all that much I, I do think that Contreras like has a chance to eclipse like he's projected for like 440 450 uh, plate appearances but i think he can eclipse 50 uh 500 plate appearances um and I think with that, you're you're definitely going to get you know over 20 homers and some pretty good counting sense in that lineup. So, uh, yeah, I've found him to be like one of my big targets at, at the catcher position. Uh, yeah, other other than that, no no one that I've really like I'm really like locking into all, all that much that I'm getting like at every draft, just trying to diversify a bit. I I think it's mainly starting pitching that that I know where my targets are like later in the round. Uh, like I've mentioned, like Reed Detmers. Uh, he's someone that I'm, I've, uh, I really like, like that you could draft as like an SP five, uh, really showed like, you know, once he, he got demoted, like in June came back in July. And from that point on just really increased that slider usage and the, the, the velo on the slider was going up month by month too. And, and, uh, I think he had like a three ERA from that point on with like over nine K per nine. Uh, and even in the, like he had a few bumps in September, but he still maintained like a 13% swing and strike rate through that time. So I think uh, like he, he's someone that, that I really like getting like around that pick two twenty two thirty range. Yeah. So I'm glad you gave me a name, but we're going to have to do a whole podcast just on some of these targets, but I think oh, yeah, that's, gonna, absolutely. that's just, that's going to do it for this one though. This was just the idea just to talk a little bit about early drafting the pros and cons discuss some players along the way. And uh, it's always fun, George. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, George at Roto underscore Nino. I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. Check out the Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash GTE Fantasy. You would think I would know this by now, but obviously I suck. <laughs> Until next time, though, we appreciate everyone listening, and we'll talk to you soon.